the Media Nerds Podcast. I'm Dan Vatabonker. And I'm Kenton Larson. And Kenton, I don't know if you saw, but I've got a bit of a tweet blowing up right now on Twitter. Did you see that? What is it? Uh, well, okay, well, I'll start with the story. I uh, And it has to do with, we were talking last week about the joy of grocery shopping. Oh, in, yeah. In the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah. And this week, actually, I've noticed a new uh, trend in that we've all suddenly been transported to 1980s Russia. In that there's... There's lineups everywhere. I don't know. It just started last week for me. I don't know if you noticed that before that this week or not, but every all of a sudden now everyone's lining up outside of grocery stores and different places. The uh, I drove by Costco the other day and the, the lineup went around the uh, block as far as the like the whole parking lot. People were waiting an hour and a half to get into Costco. Why? Why are they waiting or why are they lining? Why? What, why is Costco got the great gate crash or special going on or something? Well, why, look, why is Costco have the biggest line? Costco has always been one of the more popular places to, for people to shop. Like, I, I hate it. Personally, I always hated Costco. Yeah, I hate it too. Uh, it's too busy and the things are too big and I don't like it. Um, but um, this trend, I think I, two things have either happened. Either people, more people are going out shopping now or grocery stores have become more strict in their social distancing rules. And they're limiting the amount of people coming into the store. Yeah. So um, anyway, so I was at, uh, I went to my local, and my strategy is to go to the least popular stores, uh, like uh, No Frills and Giant Tiger. Um, because, good. Because there's nobody there. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's what I've been doing. Although I went to No Frills last night and there was a bit of a line. There's maybe two or three people outside. So I said, what the hell, and I got in line. And, and it, it does go quickly. Because um, basically they kind of let a big chunk of people out and then let a big chunk, chunk of people in. So it goes quickly. I was talking to a guy in front of me in line, and he was just kind of, you know, criticizing the whole thing and all this other stuff. And then um, as I was shopping, I noticed the same thing that I noticed the first time I encountered the lines on the floor, the arrows on the floor, just nobody's paying attention to them. I, I just was in this, sh- I was shopping throughout the store. I'm trying to pay attention. I'm trying to go the right way. Nobody else who was shopping in that store did that. So I tweeted last night after I left the store, I, I said, uh, no one is paying attention to grocery store floor arrows, and it will doom us all. Uh, so yes, I did see that tweet, and and Ian McCausland, by the way, tweeted the same thing, like maybe five minutes after you. You know, he, yeah, he he replied back and said, "Look at my tweet." The same thing happened to me. Um, I was gonna I was gonna reply and say, "Are you two shopping at the same store?" <laughs> and then I and then I was like, "Ah, let them do their shopping." He was, um, he was at a Safeway, he said, uh, but, um, and then I got a bunch of, now I was joking. I, do, I obviously don't think it's going to doom us all. I was just like, but I was just making the observation that nobody's paying attention to this stuff. And so far it's got almost a hundred likes and eight retweets, which is a lot for me. Um, I don't usually get this much attention on Twitter. So I'm, I'm kind of uh, just, I don't, I don't want to tell everybody now that I'm joking about it. Uh, but a lot of people seem to be very, very upset about this, uh, this phenomenon of people not paying attention to the, to the floor directional arrows in the grocery stores. That's the weird thing about Twitter. You never know. It's usually, usually something becomes very popular when I realize I've got a typo in it, I've noticed. <laughs> yes, like yeah. You're like, oh, crap. <laughs> so, so did, did you put a typo in it? No, no, it's fine. It's all, it's all good. So, oh yeah, just enjoy the ride. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. I'm like, oh, no, no. At first I'm like, can I make a joke? Like, I'm worried about, are people gonna get mad at me for making a joke about the pandemic? I noticed you've been making jokes the entire oh, time. And- what else are you supposed to do? Yeah. Come on, you got to make jokes about the pandemic. I'm not, you know, it's 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 the classic rule. I remember I had to do stand up at Rumors after September 11th, 
I can't, it might have even been the same night. I can't remember now, but it was like, it was bad. And like, why would you even go to a comedy club that night? Like, but people were there. And I just remember like the rule is you can make fun of the event, but not dead people, not people who have died in that event. Right. You can, you can have at it. Uh, I remember Osama bin Laden, let, let him have it, let him have it. It's like, you can, you, you're okay. It's you're okay to make jokes about certain things. Um, and I say that this pandemic is the same thing. You can make jokes about things, but just not, you know, not the victims, of course, because that's not what co comedy punches up. So, <laughs> so, which is why King Trump is uh, trending every single day on Twitter. Right. Uh, even though, even though we're Canadian, he's not our king. He's a different country's king. No, it was interesting last week on, uh, or Sunday rather, on last week tonight, um, they had a, a bit about the Queen's announcement. Did you see that? Yeah. And so it's funny because I know one of the people who, who again, blew up on Twitter, his name is Peter Tchaikovsky. He's a comic book, he's a web comic artist and writer. Uh, he's, he's very, very funny. If you look up his stuff online, he has a, a comic strip called, uh, I think it's called, is it canon? And it's like about Star Wars and stuff. It makes a bunch of Star Wars jokes. And he's, uh, he has moved, he was living in Toronto, he's since moved to Scotland, but he was one of the early people to Photoshop different shirts onto the Queen after her, like, he was out there right away, yeah. he recognized she's wearing green, let's do that, because it's happened before, the Queen frequently wears green, and uh, quite often people will Photoshop different outfits on her, so he Photoshopped the one of uh, her wearing an Iron Maiden t-shirt. Oh, I saw that one. That was the one that was featured on last week tonight, so that was quite funny. And uh, just kind of another example of, like, the viral content of the of the pandemic. Things are kind of just going viral. What do you mean by viral content? Ah, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's funny. People have nothing better to do than to sit, you know, on their computers and, and or on their phones, and they're just kind of retweeting and sharing this stuff. So that was quite funny. Nerdy. A bit of a nerd news kind of round up this this episode nothing specific or a lot of different things but there's not one overarching theme although we might find something as we discuss these different stories um first thing i want to talk about is the uh winnipeg free press local media is is like you know, like everything else local media is taking a hit and so the winnipeg free press recently voted to take a pay cut uh, yeah. because they're hurting financially they've lost a lot of advertising revenue because of this um, and so they, all their writers and their, their, um, and their, their publisher, he said he's taking a 50% pay cut. They're all taking a, a pay cut in order to continue on so the paper doesn't fold. There's never been a better time to be a journalist. <laughs> the interesting part of it is that I, I don't know what's happening at CGLB or other radio stations, but, um, the one thing I've noticed when I work there is that the ads are all different. Like one of the things I noticed because I work on the weekends on at CGOB, we get the same ads a lot of the time because it's, it's usually the place where they put the bonus spots and the extra time, like just because the, the audiences are not as strong on the weekend. So that's where you can kind of give some extra value added stuff. But in, since this pandemic has started, all the ads have been changed up. So the ones that have been running forever and ever have been changed. Um, a lot of businesses are advertising that they're still open. So places like, you know, appliance stores or hardware stores or, you know, I think everybody's kind of going on the assumption that pretty much everything is closed except for grocery stores, which isn't the case. So I think a lot of businesses are using this as an opportunity to advertise that they are still open. 
but the newspaper, the, the free press says they have been losing ad revenue because of this. And I'm just wondering why it's, it appears as though more businesses are buying radio airtime as opposed to newspaper ads. Well, it's, you, it's partially that, but then one, the first thing that this tells you is how slim the margin profit margins are. That basically like the first business or the first one that has this problem was was just skimming by to begin with is usually what that means hanging on by a thread right right so all it's, it's just like one little thing is all it takes to make it not profitable anymore and that seems to be you know the ad the ad revenue drying up i like personally i would expect most of that ad revenue to go onto um social media Right. Where I mean, where all the eyeballs continue to be, you know, so and, and more so than ever, maybe more so than ever. Uh, you think this has affected readership, uh, newspaper readership? Is that down? Are people still getting the paper delivered? Do you think? Well, I'm I'm still getting my Globe and Mail. Okay. And uh, you know, but I'm at the mercy of somebody who's going out there and delivering it. I don't know who delivers it because you never see that person anymore. No. Um. Uh. But. I imagine the people who got the paper still get the paper and the folks who never did, maybe some of them might start, but I don't expect because we're all at home, right? Yeah, but the, the distribution channels continue to be the same as far as like at grocery stores and, and convenience stores and those those places still have newspapers. So it is a matter of the advertisers leaving, not the people buying the papers. Because I mean, we've, and we've discussed this many times, the, the, the newspaper does not make money off the sale of its own product. Right, it makes money off the advertising, not off the dollar fifty or whatever you spend on a issue of a newspaper. Well, um, some money off of it, of course. Not a lot, though. Most of the money comes from advertising. Well, it's like the paywall for what was it, seven cents, or how much did it cost to read an article? Seventy. Twenty-seven cents. Oh, twenty. Okay, twenty. Oh, that's less than I thought. Okay, twenty-seven cents to read an article. You're not. I mean, you need a lot of people to read an article. To make that problem. If this is going to affect that decision, they've been very, they've been sticking with it. It's been, oh, geez, I don't know, four or five years now, I think they've been doing this paywall thing at the free press. Yeah. And I was, I called, I think when it first happened, I said I gave it two years max, and it's been longer than that. But will this affect that decision to hold the paywall strong? Well, it's already, I mean, you, I almost never see people sharing Winnipeg free press links. So you look at that and that tells a story too. Like they don't, not only have they lost their share of readers, but they've also lost their share of attention, just attention, just like sort of being a major part of the conversation. Whereas of course, back in the day, they were the voice of the conversation before internet. They would have been before the paywall, like in the years, uh, you know, last 10 years uh, until the Institute of this paywall, they were the primary way that people shared news on uh, social media and now it's that's fallen to either cbc sometimes global or ctv uh different depending on what you like people share different different things so it, it depends so yeah i don't know um but uh, again like getting rid of the paywall will you know would probably get them some more visitors at the website but they've, they've already stated many times that 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 revenue that online ad revenue does not uh make up for the the print revenue that they used to get Right. So they, haven't, they haven't been able to make that work. Right. And that's, you know, that's the problem that every, that every uh, news, ga news gathering organization has. Well, maybe not every. I mean, there was a consolidation at a certain point. So ones like the New York Times, I think, are pretty, doing pretty well. 
yeah. because everybody, the eyeballs went there because they were kind of the the last one standing, the last sort of national, like, ever, must read. And Washington Post, uh, you know, doesn't hurt when a, a trillionaire buys your, buys your paper. So Jeff Bezos, like, bailed that out. Um, and you sort of look at that and you go, well, apart from that, I mean, every news publication right now, how, why, why is an advertiser going to buy space? Like, basically, if you're buying space and your store is not open, it's an awareness and branding opportunity over the long term. And so you got to find the businesses and, and most local ads aren't branding ads. Most local ads are retail ads. If their retail outlet isn't open, then why are you going to buy a retail ad? No, yeah, like I said, the ones I've heard so far seem to be about um, th those businesses that are still open and offering services that you might assume are not. Um, and, and a lot of them are, um, I think, I think that they're probably getting a pretty good deal on this because like, I think they worked out something with their regular long term clients. There's one from a dental center that says they're only open for emergencies. Uh, which is, you know, probably the same for every dentist in the city, but uh, it's, it is a good branding thing for them to let people know that they're there in case you have a dental emergency, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's it just, you know, this whole thing is, is shaking up the media and we have not seen so far, knock on wood, any layoffs or any, anything like that. We, again, the only thing we've seen that kind of indicates that they're in trouble is this round of pay cuts. And it was only going to be a two week period, I think, initially. So they agreed to do it for two weeks to, to save some money. So I don't know how much time that will buy them, but um, you know, all indications are this is going to go on for a long time. So I don't know if that's going to help them in the long run. Well, even our school says it won't open until September. Right. Oh, so, and we are, although school is a business where there is inherent danger in bringing large groups of people into a single room, as, as opposed to uh, like an office, where in theory you could practice social distancing, you could right. do it, and but well, but you need somebody also to disinfect everything on a daily basis pretty quickly. Yeah, um, if somebody uses the restroom. There, be, there better be some disinfectant nearby because that's. Can you imagine how bad the sinks and things like that are? I don't want to. I don't want to think about it. I'm going to be germaphobes after this is done. Yeah. Um, the uh, the thing about it, it's proven every year we call we have what we call the Crecom cold in our program. So every September, October, when we get back together, everybody in the classroom gets sick pretty much from a regular cold. Never mind uh, a COVID nineteen or a, or a, or a influenza or whatever. But certainly, a cold get passed around pretty quickly yeah. uh, in our in our program. So that would happen if we were to um, to get back together in real life. We also have something we call the Crecom spread in the program, and I have a feeling that. You don't know the Crecom spread? No. It's the idea that when you start Crecom, you are the picture of health. And then as, as, you, as your two years progresses, you start eating worse. Maybe you have a drink with your friends at the King's Head more regularly than you otherwise would have. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yes, and you graduate with a larger spread than what you had before. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, uh, but working from home is not good. I pointed that out. That was one of my jokes. Like you're stopping the spread, but you're increasing your spread when you're staying home. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. It's wonderful to see my beautiful castmates on this technological approach to trying to do a live show. I have been the celebrity canary in the coal mine for the coronavirus. And ever since being diagnosed, I have been more like America's dad than ever before, since no one wants to be around me very long and I make people uncomfortable.
This Saturday Night Live is going to be a little different. For one thing, it has been filmed entirely by the SNL cast, who are currently quarantined in their homes just like this. Well, I mean, not, not like this home. SNL did a home show yeah. um, from the homes of every, every, all the cast members. They all got on Zoom and, uh, and kind of did the same thing we're doing right now. That's right. Uh, did you see it? Yes, I did. I saw that particular. I didn't see the whole thing, but I saw that particular sketch. I've seen some, some parts of the show. What thoughts about it originally, overall? Well, I've got a few thoughts about it. First of all, it was, I, I appreciate that they continued being not funny because that would have screwed, that would, that would have ruined the whole brand if they actually would have come up with funny jokes. Right. But, I, but I did like Tom Hanks' monologue. Yeah. And, and I, you know, Tom Hanks had the coronavirus, so it's good to see him. Um, and I also found that there was a propensity for, like, everybody sort of got their moment but there was almost like a competition going on, like who can who can hog the most spotlight on the from home. Uh, yeah, when you think about the environment of Saturday Night Live, where they're all competing for airtime anyway, in the best of times, now they have to do it from home, and they have to kind of come up with their own ideas, and and so they're probably you know doing the same process, but they're just everything has to be filmed basically on a webcam or on their own home camera that they send in the footage. Um, I have to say, my favorite part probably was the Tom and Tom Hanks um, monologue and the Q and A he did with himself. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to see that go on. He only did two characters. I wanted to see it go on for longer for that, like just to see him do a bunch of weird characters. That would have been hilarious. Um, yeah, hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. That was really funny. And then where you said, you know, the drill. Uh, there'll be some good stuff. A few stinkers. You know, he knows. He's like it's Saturday, Saturday Night Live. Like it's, it is what. Right. It is. And so they set the bar low, I think, for this first home show um but i did find there were a few funny sketches i did like the sketch about zoom about the two people who don't know how to use zoom i think that's what you're talking about when you said they were going a little bit over the top when it was kate mckinnon and Edie bryant both kind of mugging for the camera for that whole sketch right so they sure were and everyone else just kind of sat back um there was something else there was a couple here i've got a, a recap here somewhere there are a lot of like YouTube, um, you know, there was the gamer one where the guy was, was like a streamer. There's a lot of YouTube parodies. Um, okay, oh yeah, so the, the, the uh, your favorite segment, the weekend update segment, which I know you love. Um, no, I'm just joking, you don't, you hate it. But uh, those guys, I found it quite funny that those guys didn't feel confident enough to do their jokes without having at least somebody laughing at it. So they, what they did is that they brought on the other cast members on the call so we could hear them laughing at the jokes. Um, whereas, you know, people like Colbert and, and John Oliver and, and Jimmy Fallon, they're all doing jokes to silence every night. These two guys are not there yet. They cannot do that, right? And the jokes were not great for the most part. The jokes were okay. Some of them were okay, but most of them were not super funny. Yeah, the, yeah, I'm not a fan of those two. Like to me, but really, I don't blame them. I blame Jimmy Fallon for ruining SNL in a way that still has repercussions even today. Okay. <laughs> where, where it's more about like, uh, who, who, who's enjoying their own jokes most? And, and who's, whose comedy has no bite to it whatsoever, but seems like a nice guy. Like that's sort of what, like he brought that to SNL and it's just become that. It's just become uh, a cool competition for nice people, but with not a lot of bite. <laughs> yeah. Too much bite, so 
that's what I think about. And the other thing that's never that never ceases to me amaze me is how the places where these celebrities live don't look that different from <laughs> the places that anybody lives. Some of them did. Some of them had that. That Colin Jost has quite the large uh, living room area and a nice fireplace in the background and stuff. Like he had a pretty. Scarlett nice... Johansson bought it. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's right. I forgot about that. That's right. That's the difference. <laughs> Between SNL star and movie star, okay, or yeah. comic star, that's the difference. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah, he was the one who had the nice place. Um, Pete Davidson lives in his. his he actually owns, he has a he lives with his mom still, uh, not still, but he bought the home their home in in uh, where are they Rhode Island or wherever they live, Staten Island, I can't remember where. But anyway, he does live with his mom, and his mom shot all his sketches. I didn't think his were very funny at all. It was like all the rapping stuff or whatever. Yeah, that was pretty dumb. I'm never a fan of those rap songs that they do. I never, they're not good. Um, they started doing that stuff back when it was like Dick in a Box and those kind of sketches, which were funny. But once those guys left, um, oh, what's his name from Brooklyn Nine-Nine? I'm, blank, I'm blanking on his name right now. Sandberg. Yeah, uh, yeah, Andy Sandberg. Once he's gone, that, that stuff did, did not, was not as funny for sure. Yeah, I, I consider him to be an offshoot of Fallon too. Okay. But once again, like just not, you know, fine, fine. Like everything's fine. Everything's fine, and everyone's nice. But whenever when when everyone's nice and things are fine, that's where you lose any bite. And, and what's good for comedy? Bite, a little bite, a little anger. Who's going to be angry on our behalf? Like they're too they're too concerned with being popular. Whereas back in the day, you had folks who really were like angry comics. They're, they're thinking of the few, they want to make this a career, they want to move on past the show. A lot of them do anyway. The ones that have been there a long time who probably don't intend on doing much else, um, you know, those ones are okay to kind of not have the spotlight. But yeah, the, the young ones are the ones kind of competing and trying to stand out for sure. Um, the one sketch I did quite, find quite funny that I'm sure you did not, maybe, I don't know if you did or not, but the, the, the Masterclass Quarantine Edition. When that girl was doing their her imitation of Timothy Chalamet. Oh, I don't think I saw that one. It's I didn't see funny. that one. <laughs> it's pretty funny. I just liked it. Like she just does this dumb. She basically portrays him as this dumb guy, and he's like, "It's masterclass, uh, quarantine edition with with fashion." And all he wears is hoodies, and he's just kind of this dumb actor, <laughs> who, like of course has all these Academy Award nominations and stuff. And she just portrays him in this kind of funny way. Although that was quite, and then of course we also had Alec Baldwin calling in as Donald Trump to the uh, to the news segment. Um, you know, that gets less and less funny. Well, uh, you know, I, I always think back when Alec Baldwin came to Winnipeg, he actually said, "You know, I don't like doing that character," <laughs> and so every time it kind of ruined that character for me because now when I when he's doing it, all I can think of him is saying, "I don't like doing this character." And, and I'm sure they paid him a lot of money to do that. Like, I wonder how much he got paid for that five minute, you know, not even a walk on because it was just in his home. <laughs> he just stayed home and, and yeah. recorded it. So I wonder how that works as far as the pay is concerned. Um, the one thing I didn't notice now, it did do very well in the ratings. People were like starved for content. So they did. I think it actually had quite a good um, share that night. Um, I can probably find the ratings here. And the other thing that was interesting is that I noticed because I was I didn't watch it live. I record like I just had my PBR to set set to record it, and I didn't realize there was a new show until the next day. Um, but um, the ads, man, was it packed with ads? Like just oh, yeah. all just the first like half hour, especially it was like one sketch, and it seemed like five minutes of ads. Like it was so densely packed in that first part of the show because um, obviously it drops off. Usually it drops off after. Um, Weekend update, 
and the last part of the show is the is the really dumb stuff. So um, the uh, ratings were six point seven million total viewers, um, which puts it puts puts it second uh, to the uh, Eddie Murphy's uh, return on December twenty first. That was the season that was just shy of ten million people watching that one. So the second highest rated uh, episode of the uh, of the year for SNL, but that probably just speaks to how crappy the rest of them were. Well, and also. Uh, if if you've got people forced to be home, like you would imagine, you, you you'd sort of imagine that this better be good. Like the the ratings better be high, because nobody had. Although once again, they're competing with Netflix and streaming yeah, yeah. services and stuff now. That's probably more. I'm wondering what um how this what how this has affected like, cable TV and cord cutters and the like. Um, because you think they would want to be home and, and they're going to be watching the content. But for example, I mean, I'm sitting there going, why haven't I cut my sports channels? I've been paying for sports channels for more than a month that I'm not using because they, all they do is show, you know, reruns of old games and stuff. Like, I don't really care about that stuff. And um, so I'm thinking that's probably hurting them quite a bit. But I haven't really had the urge to cut anything else at the, at the moment. Although I probably should. I have not the TV. What's that? How about your hair? Yeah, no, I haven't, I haven't been able to cut my hair. No, uh, because uh, anyone. no. Uh, or one of our students did today he told me he cut his hair so his own hair yes he did his own hair look pretty good That's not good <laughs> know then that it is the year 10,191 in this time the most precious substance in the universe is the spice melange the spice extends life the spice exists on only one planet in the entire universe. The planet is Arrakis, also known as Dune. Yesterday, uh, they revealed some stills from the new Dune movie, which I completely forgotten was a thing. Um, but this is the new film by Denis Villeneuve, who um, you might remember was the director of Arrival and the Blade Runner sequel, which both were excellent movies. I thought those were very good. And he's been kind of, um, you know, he's been, Brand is kind of this visionary director that, you know, very kind of visually spectacular, um, really well done movies. And they are redoing Dune uh, with Timothy Chalamet as, as Paul Atreides. I didn't know that uh, when I saw that sketch, but he is, he is Paul Atreides. Um, Oscar Isaac is in there. He is Duke Nito Atreides. Uh, who else? There's lots of other uh, famous people in it. Uh, but what did you think of the uh, stills of the images from the film? Well, Poe Dameron was interesting. <laughs> looks good. He looks a, he looks like uh, like like hey, the only thing we have for reference is the David Lynch film, right? Like yeah. that's the only thing. And there was, of course, there's the Jodorowsky's Dune. Uh, there's a documentary about that film that never got made, but they were developing it for a long time, and then it never got made. So then David Lynch came in and made his uh, movie. Now David Lynch's is is vastly different from the the um the books um in a lot of ways and it's of course david lynch so it's really weird and kind of gross in a lot of places um but that's my that's like for me that's my vision of dune i saw that before i read the books so my, when i envisioned dune, I think of the, that movie i think of you know uh Kyle mclaughlin and sean young and all those act uh, um patrick stewart was in that one he was gurney um, you know, so all those actors that were in that, and uh, this this looks kind of similar in a lot of ways. Like the the you know they're wearing black. I don't know why they would wear black on a desert planet. That seems so weird, but they did it in the first movie as well. 
Um, but I thought it looked pretty good. Yeah. That movie has been begging to be remade, or I guess it was a series, right? Well, it's going to be... Um, no, they did do it. They did do a TV series at one point. I never saw it. Me neither. Um, but yeah, this is like... Apparently, this is going to be a series of films. It's going to be two films instead of one. Uh, to tell the story of the first book. And then if it's successful, I guess they can move on to the next next book or whatever. But, um, yeah, they said that it's too dense to pack into one movie. And I agree, those are pretty dense novels, and it's hard to kind of get all that stuff in there. Um, so we'll see how that works out. But it's, it's more of like an It or an It Chapter 2 situation where they're going to do two movies to do one book, and probably rightly so. And I, who knows when the release date is after all this stuff happens. I don't know what's going on with any of that crap. But it still kind of got me excited to see imagery from it and uh, I am I am quite excited to see this movie well I wouldn't say I'm excited to see it but I'll probably see it and well unless it's a it comes out and everybody says it's crap then maybe I won't <laughs> maybe I won't rush to see it yeah, yeah I mean I don't want to say you know it's gonna be awesome because you never know but I'm confident given that director and those actors that it will be good um, and the fact that they are taking their time and doing two films that that would be good as well so yeah. Yeah, but I, I mean, the, the, the original's on, I think, on demand, or you can watch it on Netflix or whatever. If you want to watch, you know, Kyle McLaughlin riding a, a big worm, you can do that. Is anybody going to go to a movie ever again, though? To a movie in public? That is, a great question. That is a very good question. I don't know the answer to that. Um, certainly, this, is whole, this whole thing has shown us that it is possible to release. I wish someone would show us some numbers. Uh, as far as how these home releases are doing, like Trolls, the new Trolls movie was last weekend. And again, I don't know how, how well it did or, or how many people are downloading it, but if it's even comparable to the amount of money they would make from a theater release, that's probably what's going to happen. You know what I was thinking about this? I wouldn't mind. Someone sent me an article about it, and I'll share it with you. It's a really good look at why Hollywood, uh, why, they, why they still use theaters and the whole thing about... Um, the law against studios being allowed to own theaters. There was some some antitrust laws passed in the 40s, I believe it was, that stated that studios were not allowed to own the theaters in which their movies were shown, and that all theaters had to be um, kind of afforded the same opportunity to play all movies. So it kind of made it equal, an equal opportunity system. Now, these days, it doesn't really matter. And we do have studios like Amazon owning theaters, right? Amazon and Netflix own their own theaters and they will screen their movies in their theaters so that it becomes eligible for Oscars and stuff like that. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. But I like the idea of going to a theater as part of a community experience to see a movie that's fun, like they do with the Rocky Horror Picture Show, that kind of stuff. I like that idea. Going to see a movie that maybe you haven't seen in the theater in a long time, because um, there's still something to be said for the community experience of doing that. But as far as like just your everyday run of the mill, you know, animated feature like Onward, which I watched with my kids this week, um, that was, uh, you know, it's fine. And I'm, you know, I'm kind of glad that we were able to watch it on Disney Plus instead of me having to drop a hundred bucks to go see it in the theater. hundred bucks for popcorn and drinks and everything all in at the theater is, is quite a bit. So we just were able to make our own popcorn here at home and watch it. So that was pretty cool. Nothing, nothing to say to that. There's a, there was a slight lag in the sound, so I was waiting for you to finish. <laughs> oh, you're, like, you're just smiling and nodding. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This is, is you've got to make a GIF of yourself smiling and nodding. <laughs> this is how you deal with the meetings, all the WebEx meetings. You just make a GIF of yourself going, uh, nodding, just nodding like this. And then it just keeps going on a loop. 
and you just put that up on your on your screen and then go do something else. Have you noticed that on um, CNN sometimes the person's face gets all garbled? No. So they've got they they use the same technology that we've got to do this, and so the person yesterday was Rick Santorum. I mean, he's a he's a boob anyway, so his, yeah. his face deserves to be garbled, but he. Um, his face just went all twisty, and you can see the look in the host's face. Like, it's hard to listen to what someone's saying when their face it is. <laughs> breaks up into a million pixels. <laughs> I also noticed on every WebEx meeting, there is weird audio lag. Sometimes there's a skip, like you just skipped. Okay. Oh, yeah, they're there again. So, like, you just don't, it's, you just don't know if it's working. That's the problem. Well, something comes through, the audio comes through okay on the recording. Yeah. Um, because I didn't notice it on my end, obviously, and I'm the one recording this, so hopefully it happens okay. That's weird how that works. Yeah, I, it's interesting, and I, I should. Um, I, I've started another another podcast. I'm yet I'm on a, yet an, another podcast oh. uh, that we just launched last week called Games You Deserve. It's a video game podcast, and it's made in partnership with Special Reserve Games, and that's a company that based out of Dallas, Texas, and basically what they do is they release physical versions of digital games. So usually these indie games, smaller indie games that are usually released dig just digitally on a console, like on um, stuff like, um, I don't think they've done Super Meat Boy, but that's that's a good example of a game that's like that, Super Meat Boy or Braid, or um, the one they just did was Hotline Miami, which was a you know a pretty popular um, indie game. So they do that, they, they partner with the publisher of that game and they print a nice kind of collectible box for it with all the artwork and the instruction manual and they kind of make it a physical thing as opposed to it being just a digital download. So anyway, they wanted to start a podcast and I'm helping them out with that. And um, so the podcast is called uh, Games You Deserve and it's basically just a weekly conversation about different video game stuff. Uh, so we're having a lot of fun with it. And we actually record that. I'm here, of course, in Winnipeg. One of the guys is in Dallas, Texas, and the other guy's in Indianapolis. So we all three of us are in different places and we're recording together and we each record our own end and then I sync it up and to sync it up, we do the old clap, you know, the old uh, sync it up with the clap, but the delay is, is there. Every time we try doing that, it still gets, the delay is always there. There's no way to avoid that delay. So I still have to try and sync it up. Even the clap kind of gives me a general idea. I still have to work to kind of sync it up and make it uh, sound like normal as a normal conversation. It's, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun though, I'm really enjoying it. Well, pretty soon as the pandemic sweeps across the United States, you'll be able to host it on your own. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh. These are good guys, good guys. So you can check it out if you want to take, uh, take, give it a listen. It's, uh, you can yeah. search Special Reserve Games. I believe it should be up on iTunes very, very soon. Um, that's of course the last one to go up. It's on, it's on like Anchor and Spotify and, and Google Play and all those other platforms. So. It'll be up pretty much wherever you listen to podcasts, and uh, we'll be posting those every Sunday. Um, let's do the recommendations for the week. What do you got? Well, I got a couple. Oh, well, you know what? I'm going to follow up on um, uh, last week, I, uh, or maybe actually it wasn't last week. It's been probably a few weeks ago now, but I mentioned how who knows what this game called... Um, Edith Finch. There's a game called The Last Remains, I think. Is that it? The Last Remains of Edith Finch. And I was like, what is this thing? It's in the top 10 games of all time and a whole bunch of these, or Xbox games and a whole bunch of these. So what is it? So I finally, I downloaded it for 20 bucks and played it. And it really is a cool thing. And I think the reason people like it so much, and it's short, it's a short game. I think I finished it in two hours. 
So it's it's quick, but but what's different about it is it's really probably the best game I've ever seen in terms of of acting like a novel while giving you things to do as the novel unfolds. Hmm. So I, the first thing I do in every game is I turn on the subtitles because I'm always like, ah, maybe I want to listen to music when I play a game or maybe I want to whatever. Maybe it's too loud if I have it on or something. So I always make sure the subtitles are on. So the first thing I did in the game is I go to the subtitles and there's no subtitles. So I was like, well, what's this? And then I realized as you play the game, the written text appears like in the forest or on a door or wherever you happen to be walking. The thing that you hear shows up in the background. So I, it's, it's just a very cool example of what literature could be on a gaming console. And I think that's why people love it. So I, I recommend it. I, I, I got a kick out of it. It's quick. Uh, you know, it's not like an open world thing where you're going to spend hours and hours. It's more like a quick little, it's like reading a book for a couple hours. So, okay. so it's cool. I think, I think um, and, and it's a mystery and it's a story, and there's a lot of uh, interesting things that happen along the way. Oh, and maybe even a little horror. Maybe even a little horror. But uh, I recommend it. I think uh, The Last Remains of Edith Finch is worth it. Uh, and for 20 bucks, you can't go wrong. Okay. Um, I, uh, I'll check it out. It's available on the Xbox store? It is, yeah. And, and it's, it it's part of your Game Pass if you have the Game Pass. Oh, okay. Well, then I've got that. So it'll be, uh, I can just download it for free. Quick, quick download. Um, so I've also been playing some video games this week, but I, I kind of decided to treat myself. <laughs> it's a little pandemic gift, gift to myself. Um, I bought myself a PlayStation Classic. And that is the little mini system. It's a little, here, I'll show you. Hold on a second. It's still so small. It's like a little, <laughs> look how small this thing is. Did it's you buy it online? Yeah, I bought it on Amazon. Uh, the guy screwed up and delivered to the wrong house, <laughs> so I had to figure that out. But anyway, this is the mini. This is the classic. It's called sorry. It's called the PlayStation Classic, not the mini. You know the other ones that are out. They have one for the Genesis Mini, Super Nintendo, Nintendo. I think there's a TurboGrafx 16 one coming out as well. Um, but I thought, and the reason I bought it, I was looking at all these different systems, and a game that I've been wanting to replay for quite a long time now is the original Metal Gear Solid. Uh, which came out on the PlayStation in 1998, I want to say. And if I look on my, at my Xbox Game Pass, it actually has like Metal Gear Solid 2 and 3 and a couple of those other ones that came out later on. But I really wanted to replay the first one because that's when I remember playing it through. I think I played it through all three times. You get different endings if you played it through um, more than once. And so I just kind of wanted to revisit that. And that is one of the games that's available on this system. Now, it, it, when this was released, there was a lot of criticism uh, against Sony because the game this is only comes with 20 games as opposed to I think 70 or 80 for the Genesis and Nintendo and that, that kind of thing now to be fair those games on the Genesis and Nintendo are smaller games they are um, you know more pixelated the graphics aren't quite as good um, but some of the ones on the Sony one I'll just go through some of these games and kind of let you know like they've got Final Fantasy 7 um, which is actually was just re-released as a remake I don't know what what makes it a remake but uh, that's something that's going to be on PlayStation exclusively for a year uh, until it gets uh, kind of allowed to go out other places. But I can replay the original if I want. I do want to replay it. So that one, Metal Gear Solid, and the other one they have on here that I wanted to play was the original um, uh, Grand Theft Auto, 
which was on here as well. So the, on the strength of those three games alone, I bought this thing, which was only 70 bucks. And uh, I felt that's worth it. For me, otherwise, I'd have to buy an actual PlayStation system and actually find the games. And I'm sure that would have cost me at least 100 bucks, if not more. So this seemed like a good deal for me. So I bought it, and I've been playing uh, Grand Theft Auto. Sorry, no, I've been playing, oh, man. The Grand Theft Auto, I forgot how bad those controls were. Like, the original game, you press up for forward, no matter which direction you're, you're facing. Uh, and the same, the same controls for when you're out of the car and walking around, which is really frustrating. So that's, I can I forgot about that part of it. Yeah, uh, it's, it's a rough game. Also, the drive-by shootings are almost impossible in that first version. You can't aim very well because it's a top-down view, and it's yeah. still a neat idea. And I do, I do have a lot of nostalgia playing in. Like I'm like, I remember when I first played it uh, when I was working at Blockbuster Video. So there's that, and the uh, but the, the Metal Gear Solid man is that a tough game? Like I thought I was gonna just breeze through it, but no, no, I'm like it's tough. I've died many, many times. It's going through this, but it's still really fun. It's still a really interesting game, and it's a lot of, uh, of course, it's all about the stealth and sneaky yeah. right through there. And you can, you know, I've got the, the cardboard box I can hide in now, and I can have my cigarettes that I used to find. Um, there's all kinds of different elements to the game that are really fun. What's funny, one thing that I could not do though, and it's funny that they didn't address this in this version of it, is that, um, okay, so you use this thing called a codec to talk to your boss, right? And he, they call you up on this thing every time, basically, every time you get to a new point of the game. Sometimes it's a really bad time when you're in the middle of like a battle or something. And so they say, oh, you have to call this person on Kodak. Her, her code is on the back of the CD. And I'm like, what CD? I don't have a CD. This is a, this is a digital game. I don't have the case. And so they don't tell you. And so I had to look it up. I had to look up what her code was because. Oh. <laughs> so I guess they figure that's what people are going to do with this. The copyright protection. I guess. Uh, um, but they, they're like, is it not on the back of this? No. Ridiculous. So anyway, that was the one, the one thing, but it's still a lot of fun. I'm having a great time playing this. I'm looking forward to doing uh, Final Fantasy VII is like just like hours and hours. It's like probably 100 hours of gameplay right there. Um, so I think this thing is well worth it for $70. I've got at least three solid games, if not more. And the other stuff is okay. It's not horrible. It just was a little, a little too repetitive. Like one of the, they've got Metal Gear Solid, plus they've got Rainbow Six, and they've got Siphon Filter, which are three pretty much similar military games right so that's a little bit missed that's a little bit uh, not fun they have the first resident evil and they should have had the second resident evil resident evil 2 is way better than the first one um they've also got uh battle arena toshinden which is not a, not a lot of fun that's not a great uh that's not a great uh title and the other one they had that we played oh twisted metal was fun twisted metal is good except for the two player is really awkward um so that's hard to play and so there's a lot of fun games. A lot of there's a lot of nostalgia on this for me. Uh, Tech Three, they also have Odd World, Abe's Odyssey, which is a great game. So there's a lot of fun stuff. So yeah, that's kind of what I've been doing this week, and I will continue to do that in the weeks ahead. Cool. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Media Nights. I'm Dan Vadabonker. I'm Kenton Larson. Don't let the door hit you on the ass.